Welcome to Coffee with the Caucus. I'm Carly. And I'm Hunter. Today we'll be talking with candidate for Ohio House District 53, Michelle Novak. Michelle was born in upstate New York, lived briefly in Houston, Texas, and grew up in Miamisburg, Ohio. She recently left her job as the operations manager for the Miami Valley chapter of the Alzheimer's Association after two years in order to focus on her campaign. Uh, Michelle is a strong advocate for public schools and serves as an elected member of the Middletown City School District's Board of Education. So before we begin today, let's find out what everyone's drinking. For today's episode, I'm drinking a regular coffee. I'm having a latte today. Uh, thank you for joining us, Michelle. Can you share what you're having with us today? Yes, today I'm treating myself to a hazelnut cappuccino. Ooh, love that. Delicious. So let's go ahead and get right into the questions. So Michelle, what are you most excited about for this upcoming election? <laughs> New leadership. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> So how has your experience as, you know, a school board member prepared you for the office of a state representative? I would say that my time on the school board has really helped me to, to understand a lot of the issues um, that we're facing as a state, especially when it comes to public education. I went on to the school board all excited about the changes and the great things that we were going to be able to do. And we've done a lot of great work in the school district, but we kept running up against state policies that continually undermine the work that we're doing. And um, by doing that, it just, it helped me to realize that there's a lot more work that needs to be done and we need new people in the state house that can really support our public education systems and invest in our kids. Um, because it's not just the the policies, it's also the funding that we have continually not been getting um, and those supports that our kids really need. Speaking of new leadership, I mean, we've seen in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, Republican corruption at its, I, I don't want to say at its finest, but we've seen it, at, it's been highlighted extremely here in the last few weeks. And it's not the first time we've seen, um, you know, corrupt Republicans in the spotlight. You know, we've had several speakers now in the last three years have to resign um, in scandal and yeah, you know, we've had ECOT issues and CoinGate and so how how would a Michelle Novak as state representative be different and how would she uh, battle uh, corruption once in office? Well I, I first of all I can't tell you how upset it makes me feel to see how people in Columbus seem to just think it's okay to play with our lives. Um, you know, as, especially coming from a school board where I'm responsible for 6,500 children and it's a predominantly low income population. And then just to see that against the corruption that we're seeing in Columbus and to know that a lot of our kids aren't getting the support that they need and they're not getting um, the opportunities that they deserve because of corrupt people in Columbus, people who are supposed to have our best interests in mind. They're supposed to be representing the people who live in our communities and they're not. And that's, that's affecting us and impacting our families in so many different ways. Um, so when I see that happening, it just, it, it really upsets me and I hope that something that I'll be able to do when I'm in office is to, first of all, help redraw the districts 
so that we don't yeah. have that intense gerrymandering in our districts that prevent a lot of people from having a voice. I also think that we need to look at our campaign finance system and make sure that there's more transparency there because the people deserve to know who's funding the politicians that are representing them. Absolutely. And um, that way we can identify um, where those special interests are. And are the people really looking out for, are the representatives really looking out for the people who live here? Or are they looking out for those special interests and those corporations that are funding their campaigns? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, running for office is a very personal thing as well. Um, you know, you're putting yourself out there to public scrutiny and, you know, to those Republican opponents that you're running against. Um, so what kind of challenges have you faced uh, running for office this 2020 election season? Well, I am really the kind of person that thrives when challenges are put in front of me. <laughs> so <laughs> we love that. It's the perfect place for you to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I felt that. I think that um, the challenges that I have faced have really just been the mechanics of it. And as I'm learning the mechanics of it, I'm really just getting into my groove more and more. So even with, um, I mean, there's so many obstacles. Um, being a Democrat running in this district, I think one is just convincing people that I can win. Um, because yeah. if, if you can't tell people what your game plan is or your win plan um, and that you're serious about what you're doing, then they're not going to want to put their resources and their support behind you. Um, but fortunately, we've, my campaign team and I have done an amazing job of um, showing people that we have a path to win this district. And I think that's really motivated a lot more people to come out and support. And I have a great group of volunteers that have been working with me and we're excited, we're motivated. So I, again, I thrive when there are challenges and I have a wonderful group of people around me that um, are passionate about this and, and want change just as much as I do. So we're all excited to see um, that change in leadership in this upcoming election. And we're seeing absentee ballots in your area, like an increase of requests <laughs> for those. And I can't uh, help but think, you know, that's definitely a part of the kind of campaign you're running and getting people involved and engaged. So that's what's great to see. And, you know, obviously, you know, it's probably been about a year since you decided to run for office for the state representative seat. And, you know, last year we couldn't have known that we'd be in a pandemic and that, you know, you know, we were not able to knock on doors or have those traditional events to talk with voters. So, you know, how has the coronavirus really changed your campaign and what have you seen and how have you done to, you know, stay engaged with people? Well, first of all, I never made it a secret that I'm going through a lot of the same things that the people in my community are going through. Um, that I'm not immune from the same issues that people are dealing with, that I am a regular person who lives here, who is supporting a family. Um, and it's just unprecedented. I don't know how many times I've heard that word unprecedented, nothing that we could have anticipated, nothing that we've ever seen happen in our lifetime. Um, but now, you know, my kids are home with me. Um, we're seeing businesses in our local community that are shutting down and and 
um, people who are in quarantine, wondering, you know, worrying about their children's mental health. Um, there's so many things just happening all at the same time. And I'm already an active member of my community. And, you know, with the school district, you know, our, our public schools don't just offer an education. We're feeding kids. You know, we're, we're thinking about their social and emotional health and trying to figure out how we're going to supplement and support these families and these children um, through the rest of the school year and into the summer where we've had to feed children all summer long, where we've had to think about that connectivity issue and our kids not having internet access and our teachers not having access to our families. So, um, so, so that was all happening at the same time as my campaign and trying to figure out how to address that. And one of the ways that we did address that was we took a step back from the campaign um, because we're always going to put people first. And I didn't think that people needed to hear from us right away <laughs> asking for money at a time Absolutely. when they weren't sure if they were going to be working or not. Right. So we, um, I started an initiative actually with one of the, my Republican opponents um, who ended up losing in the primary, but we said, let's put the politics aside and let's figure out how we can support some of our local businesses. So we did a pay it forward um, where we reached out to a lot of local businesses. Um, we asked if they would be interested in participating in this pay it forward idea where people in the community that still had the resources could contribute to those businesses and then those businesses could offer free meals for people who are out of work. That's and, amazing. I love that. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's how we started transitioning. We also had access to phone numbers. And so it was our intention then to start reaching out to people to see how they're doing. Um, because this was something at the beginning, we were all going through this together. It was a big shift for a lot of people and everybody's got a different situation. So, um, so we did that. I also handed out flyers around my own neighborhood to see if anybody needed anything because, you know, you can't knock on people's doors anymore. So, um, right. so that was how we transitioned at the beginning. And then we started incorporating more of the technology. So um, I was planning on going to a lot of county fairs and events um, in order to get in front of people and meet people. So we had to transition more to um, Zoom, to Facebook Live, to social media, in any other way that we could get in front of people. Um, and, and we continue to do that. So I've consistently since at least April been doing a weekly Facebook Live. It's just 15 minutes every week um, and people can send in questions. And we're, we're um, not knocking on doors, but now we feel um, safe enough to go out and be doing literature drops in the community and, and then the phone calls. So whatever we can do to get out in front of people. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what is something uh, really unique to your district that you want people to know about? Um, whether it's, you know, something about your crazy gerrymandering um, or <laughs> some great local place that you need people to know about. <laughs> um, it's interesting. Like, and it, it is unique about my district. It's, it's definitely the people here that, you know, we, we can be divisive, we can, you know, be on the opposite end of these debates and go back and forth. 
Um, but we really do look out for each other. You know, when it comes down to it, we are a, a strong, tight-knit community and we care about each other, although we, we fight about politics all the time. <laughs> um, so one week we could be, you know, debating about athletics in the schools and then the next we are, you know, like just loving on each other again. <laughs> so, That's great. But um, we, we do recognize, you know, it, it's a very, very tight community and, and I love that. And it's not something that you always see now that, you know, people are putting politics aside. You know, you can have those debates and you could, you know, obviously disagree on policy, but you're still able to see past that and kind of work to um, deliver results for people and, you know, work for people, um, which I think is a really nice way to bring in our next question, which is, you know, what does that Ohio promise mean to you? And part of that is the, we work for you. And that is something that I think that you, not only as a school board member, um, have very much embodied, but as your campaign, as you were just talking about, you know, you, you put the politics aside and you, you put the community first to bring those resources and fight for people. So it, what does the Ohio promise mean to you and how has it impacted your campaign? Well, so before I knew about the Ohio Promise, <laughs> um, I was thinking about what my vision for my district would be. Um, I'm a strategic planner. I'm a grant writer. And so I've worked with a lot of nonprofit organizations in the community. And you always start with that vision. And then you put together your mission statement. And then you identify your goals. And I really envision this community where you know, people are safe and secure and where our kids don't want to run away as soon as they're old enough to run away and go to a different state or move to right. a different community. <laughs> I want a community where people want to stay here, where people want to retire here, where people feel supported and people feel safe. And then I discovered the Ohio Promise. <laughs> and the Ohio Promise does such a good job of, of articulating those things. And, um, and, and it's definitely a vision that I can get behind and that I can support. It's really about putting people first, providing those opportunities, um, and, and helping, you know, giving people the dignity that they deserve and the opportunities, uh, making opportunities available for people and just empowering the people who live in our communities. And I, I really hold on very strong to that vision and I think if we can get more people on board across the state, then Ohio can be the state that people, the destination place. This is where yeah. people want to be. Um, and, and I think we have the potential, we have the people to be able to do that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, what is one thing that you miss most about this pre-quarantine world? Um, you know, we're, we're living in a very different era, I think, right now, and we've kind of discussed with some of our candidates about what they miss most about it and what they're looking forward to once this is all over. So what, what would that be for you? Well, um, something that my campaign did um, prior to the quarantine was we had our very first coffee conversations. And this is something that I've done um, in, in my work throughout the years um, as a way to bring people's voices together and um, bring people together. And I feel like we've been really divided and, um, you know, and we have 
<laughs> not that I feel we have been very divided and that communication has not been there um, to the extent that that we need it to be so that we can start to mend some of these um, so that we can just begin to mend as a community and um, so we had our very first coffee conversations and we had we had students from Miami University there um, from both the Middletown and the Oxford campus um, we had entrepreneurs there we had people who were retired there and and more and more people kept coming into the coffee shop and seeing that we were engaged in this conversation and more and more people started coming over and we were having this conversation about what would we like to see in our community in 10 years and we talked about the drug epidemic and we talked about racism and we talked about all of these different i guess um, diseases that have been plaguing our community and finding that commonality between us and i was really and after it was supposed to be two hours we all ended up there for four hours oh my gosh <laughs> Wow. I feel like that's always nobody wanted to, to leave. <laughs> yeah, nobody wanted to leave, and um, and we were all looking forward to the next time when we were going to get together. And unfortunately, everything closed down right after that, and there wasn't a next time that we were able to get together. But that's what I miss, and that's what I would like to get back into. Absolutely. And so and this is this is coffee with the caucus. And you were just talking about how, um, you know, you, you miss those coffee shops and you miss those conversations. So uh, our last question before we get into our rapid fire round is um, what is your favorite local coffee shop? Maybe you have several, but what, what, what are some of these coffee shops you miss? Um. <laughs> Well, I miss Java Johnny's. That's one of my favorite meeting places, especially when I want a quiet meeting. <laughs> and then I'll say Triple Moon. Um, that is a place to be if you if you want to have those conversations with people coming in and out of the place. So I will leave it at, at those two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I'll have to check them out. Absolutely. All right, so now we will head into our rapid fire round of questions. So these are questions you just go with your gut answer. Don't think too hard about them. They're bizarre, oh but you know, they're good. All right, <laughs> so Hunter, go ahead. <laughs> what is your most used emoji? Oh, the heart. Just a heart. Love it. Favorite food? Um, spaghetti and sauce. Yes. What is your favorite book? Okay, this is rapid fire. So I'm just going to say autobiography <laughs> of Malcolm X. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Cats or dogs? Cats. Same. What was the last show you binged? Oh, 3%. Good. Pancakes or waffles? Oh, I like waffles better, but pancakes are so much easier. So we do pancakes <laughs> all the time. <laughs> That is a great answer. What would your superpower be? Oh, to mind read. I would want to mind read. I love that. And lastly, it's a hot dog, a sandwich. No, no, it's not. All right. <laughs> and then we just have one last question for you. And that is, what can voters do to support your campaign? That way, come November, we are calling you State Representative Novak. 
Well, the goal is to reach voters. And the way that we do that is through sending out these bulk mailings. And so we need campaign contributions in order to do that because it is expensive. Um, the other is we need people to drop off literature. We need people to make phone calls and we need people to get our message out on social media. Um, those are great ways to support the campaign. Also, just reach out to five people you know, make sure they're registered to vote and make sure they make it to the polls. Um, we're gonna be doing a lot of that work with our campaign and following up with people and we could use help with those follow-ups. So. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think all this campaign <laughs> stuff, this is all such a team effort and I think people need to realize, you know, it's not just one person running everything. You know, we need those volunteers and people that can vote or contribute um, to make everything run accordingly. Absolutely. Well, so that wraps up our podcast for today. So be sure to visit the Ohio House Democratic Caucus website at ohhousedems.com to learn more about our candidates and how to vote this election season. And um, if you'd like to learn more about Michelle's campaign, you can visit her website, michellenovak.com to learn more. So thank you for having us, Michelle. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This has been an Ohio House Democratic Caucus podcast.